Welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. I'm your host, Dan Lewis. Who is the spiritual leader of your family? Is it you, your pastor, your spouse, the media? Do you know? I did. And sadly, no one was taking responsibility to lead our family. Well, friends, someone needs to take that job, and that man is you. You may not feel qualified, and some days I don't. With the help of God and a community of dads helping each other on their journey, you can be the leader your family deserves. We welcome you to the Journey of the Christian Dad podcast. All right, guys, welcome back. So I just had like the coolest little conversation with a guy before we recorded, but let's jump into the kind of review of the week. This one comes from a member of our Facebook community. His name is Andrew. He says, wow, only 15 minutes into this Chris Harper interview. Chris is with Better Man. This is holy crap. Can't wait to finish this one. (laughs) So it's cool getting a little mini review before the guy finished even listening to the podcast. So, and then he goes on to say how he talks about being a spiritual leader of your home and how a dad needs to be the leader, just how, how he explains it all. And then also the phrase being the prophet of the home really struck a chord with Andrew. So Andrew, thanks for sending your comments over. Appreciate you being a valuable part of the community and uh, chipping in on the conversations inside there. So guys, as you know, you well you may know this is still a a very relatively new thing we have got a sponsor on the podcast so of all the tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there very few ever have a real sponsor that actually pays money to advertise on the podcast so i'm super thrilled to have uh, classical conversations be our new sponsor so are you interested in homeschool Classical Conversations equips parents with a proven curriculum and support from a local community of homeschool families all walking the same path together. You're their first teacher. Be their best teacher. Learn how to make homeschooling doable at classicalconversations.com slash dad journey. So super cool. Excited to partner with them and looking forward to see how things go here in the future. And with that, I am so excited to introduce you guys to Jonathan Fanning. Jonathan has the most diverse background, and the more I investigated him, the more directions I found we could go with this podcast. So uh, I guess I'll say Jonathan is a coach, uh, executive coach. He uh, dives into the faith side of things. He also dives into the fatherhood side of things. He's also got some entrepreneurship about him and also his kids, even though he was a engineer and was designed to be more in that corporate mold so he thought and now he's out there helping uh, helping people change turn around and uh, and become their best selves whether it's people or companies so welcome to the podcast Jonathan Fanning you bet Dan it's great to be with you and I, I love that you have a sponsor congratulations and, dude that's you know, the coolest ah and you mentioned that and I kept thinking I get to speak all over the world I've spoken now on three continents and in, in 49 states and uh, I, sometimes I get to speak in the education world. One of the biggest education conferences that I get to speak at over and over and over. One, a woman comes up to me one day. She says, Jonathan, every good parent homeschools, whether they know it or not. And I thought, wow, that's beautiful. Because, I mean, all of us in some way, shape or form are, are, have to be involved in the education of young people around us. You know, whether you're a dad or not, even if you even if you have no kids, even if you just have nieces and nephews or neighbors with kids in some way, shape or form where 
we're in there, right? That's right. Absolutely right. Have you have you thought when you heard that quote and you reflected on it and thought about your own family, what what were some things that came to your mind? Oh wow, wow. Well, so I spend my whole life. I love that you said I I, I do a lot of things. <laughs> I spend my whole life looking for game changers, you know. And uh, early in my career, it was game changers for big companies. It was usually like Fortune one hundred companies because I was involved in helping them turn around, you know. And then I started thinking like I need to do better at better at not just looking for them, but um, then applying them, <laughs> applying them in my own life, you know, and then not just helping other people see a game changer, but help them to apply it as well. You know, and um, I was, I was in a car accident uh, in the middle of my career, early in my career, actually, car accident, two tractor trailers obliterated my car on the highway, inter- Interstate 80, Western Pennsylvania, you know, um, warm day, cold night, black ice, car starts sliding. And as it slides, it hits the guardrail and two tractor trailers just tore the car apart, you know, and it was a wake up call. It was a wake up call. I mean, you look at the car afterwards and you think no one survived this because my side of the car, I was in the passenger seat. My side of the car didn't exist anymore, you know, and then my older brother was in the back seat where he was sleeping when it, when the car started sliding that part of the car, the first truck hit his door. The second truck hit my door, you know, as the car spun. And, um, it was, it was a wake up call. You know, I like to call it like a frying pan moment. You know, when you get hit over the head in life, you know, you get mm-hmm. hit over there with the frying pan, you know, and it's, um, it's uh, like, are you going to change anything? And after that accident, slowly, I started thinking, it's great to look for game changers for other people and help them try to implement them. But, but you need some, you know, I started looking in the mirror a little more often and saying, you need a few, you need a few. You know, and, and one of the simplest things I started doing is I started chasing this question. One, one of my books is called, Who Are You Becoming? You know, and I started, I started not, um, not asking that question once in a while. I started chasing that question. You know, I started pursuing the, the I, there's a great expression that says the quality of our lives hinges on the quality of the questions we pursue. It's not a great question you ask once in a while. You know, it's, it's this question that you, you let it just kind of take over chunks of your day. And I started thinking, you know, are you more patient now than you were last year? And the answer was not really, <laughs> you know, and, you know, are you more focused? Are you more forgiving? Are you, are you better at communicating something to people or to yourself or to your kids? And um, what I slowly realized is I needed a simple way to get better at stuff. You know, I needed a simple process on this becoming journey that actually worked. I didn't need something complicated. I didn't need to join the next, you know, I, I, I didn't need to do the next MBA in leadership, whatever program. I didn't need a 500 page book on the topic. You know, I needed a simple process that actually worked. And um, I started just picking something, you know, like listening. And I'd say, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going <sighs> to, the first person I meet after one o'clock. I'm, they're my, they're my practice. I'm going to practice listening to that person, you know? And, and I found out that it was, it was so simple and it was so effective that I thought I, I need to do this in more areas of my life, you know? And that homeschooling question that you asked um, on one of my trips, I was traveling all over the world at this point, consulting for mostly massive companies. And I'm flying home from one of these trips. My youngest daughter, I'm sorry, my oldest daughter at the time is five. She's five. Her name is Ella. And um, I had this thought on the way home. My question was kind of simple. 
you know, if you pick something you want to work on and try to drive it into your life with simple processes, what's the one thing that I'd love my five-year-old daughter to get, you know, out of, out of the, the, her time in our family. And I'm, I'm flying home from, I think I was out in Kansas city maybe, and I'm flying home, which maybe you're not friends with the people in Kansas city, right. As a, as a St. Louis person, right. Or I, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I do have some KC friends, quite a few of them. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, but I'm flying home from that trip and I'm thinking, well, I don't know all of the things I'd like my kids to get out of growing up in my house, but one of them is courage. One of them is courage. You know, so that next morning, breakfast time, Ella's five, you know, I sat down with Ella and I said, Ella, today we're going to do, um, we're going to do brave and daring day, you know, and, and she's looking at me like she's five, you know, she's looking at me like, okay, sounds good. You know, and then finally she asks like, what are, what are we doing on brave and daring day? You know, and honestly, Dan, I didn't have a plan. I just thought, let's practice, let's do stuff that you have to be brave and daring to do. You know, and, and that's what I said to Ella. I said, we're going to do things that you have to be brave and daring to do. You know, and, and Ella looks at me and immediately it's almost like I see these horns pop out of her head. She says, why don't we climb that thing at the park that mommy won't let me climb? And I'm thinking, um, <laughs> you know, and she can read my mind. I didn't answer. She said, we don't have to tell mommy. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I had one of these moments of, yeah, we're going to, we're going to get better at courage and deceit all in the same day. <laughs> let's, let's, brave and daring and lie to mommy day, you know, uh, oh boy, oh boy. Um, but we ended up making a list, you know, she's five. We ended up making a little list. She drew pictures of stuff. She's like, you know what? I'd have to be brave and daring to, you know, to do this, to, to say that, whatever. And um, we had, I don't know, six or eight things to do. And we did go to that playground and she climbs up this thing. And it, see, it's not part of the playground. It's one of those uh, lattices that has vines growing on it. Oh, wow. And it's not designed to be climbed. You know, there's nothing to climb. Right. You know, and, 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 and it's 12 feet high, I think. And she's five, you know, so she goes over to it. She's like brave and daring, you know, and, and I'm thinking like, do I put her up there? Because that wouldn't that wouldn't really be all the brave and daring. And uh, she starts trying to climb one of these vines and it's not, it's not going well, you know, and then there's a little tiny tree leaning over it and she starts climbing that, but it's tiny and it's just swaying like this. And she's, she's up there like a sloth and it's kind of weaving back and forth. And I'm thinking like, she's going to hit the ground. There are, Dan, there are no parents in the park that think this is a good idea. <laughs> you know, they're all looking like, what are you doing? What is she doing? And I'm thinking like brave and daring day, brave and daring day. I got to let her finish the project. You know? <laughs> she, she ends up getting up there, you know, and, and she's pumped. She was pumped. She's on the top. She's looking down at me. Like, like I, I, that Mount Everest baby, you know, I just, and um, I'm thinking like, that's, we all want more confidence in people around us. Right. I mean, you, you run a company, you, you, you know, run us, you, you coach a sports team, even just you, you want more confidence. Yeah, yeah. And I'm looking at my daughter, Ella, and I'm thinking like, that's really confidence. So often is I did something today that I wasn't sure I could do, you know, or I did something today that I wasn't sure that you thought that I could do, you know? And, and when you ask about kind of what is, what do I think of when I think of every parent, you know, is, is a piece of homeschooling their kids, even if your kids are in, you know, public school or private school or, or in a homeschool, but 
no matter what, there's a piece of it that's like, what's the lesson you're trying to teach them? What's the lesson you're trying to teach them? You know, and going forward from that, <laughs> my daughter eventually loved having brave and daring days. She would say, daddy, can we do one? And we just do it randomly. <laughs> it would be, it would be, you know, it's, 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 you know, the first day of April coming up, right? She might say like, you know, over, over, like over Easter, can we do a brave and daring day when we're in, you know, when we're visiting friends and family and cousins? And, uh, you know, I would, sure. What do you have in mind? You know, and then some of her cousins, some of her friends started liking the idea. One day, um, my wife, it's dinner time. And my wife, Dominica, looks at Ella. She said, oh, didn't you do Brave and Daring Day with Daddy today? And Ella's like, you know, and my wife says, what, what does it mean to do Brave and Daring um, at dinner time? And Ella, you could see she, she knows exactly what it means. She's like, I have to try something that I don't really Ooh. want to try. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so Ella, it's funny. Ella gets it and she starts stepping it up. And she eventually says, you know what? Thursday is try something Thursday in our house. Hmm. So at dinner time, she's got to try something that like, she's not sure she wants to try, you know, and it's it, one of her best friends would not come over for dinner on Thursday for quite a while. I mean, quite a while. If she was at our, <laughs> yeah, if, if she was at our house on a Thursday, when it got close to dinner, she said, I know I have to go. <laughs> there wasn't another day of the week when she had to go, but on Thursday it was like, I'm out, I'm out. My, my youngest daughter, Maya, when she was small, uh, she started saying, well, can, can you, she would tell say, daddy, can you get a different ice cream? And like, what, like what kind? She says, oh, I don't care. One I've never had. I'm like, all right. <laughs> it's ice cream. It like, can't be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She'd tell me like, well, that's going to be my Thursday. <laughs> like, well, that's okay. We're, 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 we're full of courage around that trying is the lowest bar for daring yeah, yeah. that we could set. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. But this, this concept, you know, I started running a series of entrepreneur camps with teenagers uh, back, I guess it's 13 years ago now. And um, I've had maybe about a thousand kids go through different versions of the camp since then. And we started putting this into the camp, you know, because I didn't, I didn't do the camp to teach entrepreneurship necessarily. Yes. I think that's a, I mean, if, if a person can build their own business, there's a tremendous amount of freedom and, and personal responsibility. And it's a mirror. I love it as a mirror. Starting a business is a great mirror for your life. You say, wow, I, okay, I got to get better at that. <laughs> you know. But really, I did it more to help develop the kids in, in their character. You know? So when we ran the first camp, I kept thinking, like, I'd like there to be sort of a brave and daring component to it. You know, and we started doing it once a week. We, we'd make it usually Wednesday or Thursday. It was Brave and Daring Day in the camp, you know, and the kids would typically the night before, the evening before, before, before they went home from the camp, we'd have them write down what are, what are a few things that would, they'd move your life in a very positive direction and they'd take some serious courage to do. And the kids, it's funny because the kids would write some stuff down, you know, and usually it was linked to their business idea. You know, and some of them already had a business. We've had kids who are 12 and are making, you know, a couple thousand dollars a month in their, in their Ooh. business. You know, yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful because then, then they're not pulled by the world so much. You know, they're like, Hey, I can, I can create, you know, and I can add value. Um, but they, they jot down who, you know, contacting this person 
to, to potentially, you know, work together on something or do a, you know, have them endorse our pro something. And, and they come up with this list of three, four, five, eight, ten things, you know, and then the next day we have them with a partner assess, like which, which one or two are the, they're, they're huge. And you'd be, if, wow, if you did that, you would be saying this changed the way I see the world, you know, and then, and then we, we give them a little chunk of time to do it. And it's, it's mind boggling how these kids years later will shoot me an email, Mr. Fanning, remember that, that brave and daring challenge. Like I still do it. I still do it. Like once a month I do a, you know, jot down, you know, five, 10 things that would move life forward and take some courage. And then I'm like, I give myself till the end of the week to do, to do two of them or whatever. And, um, you know, I, I challenge parents to do it all the time. I challenge people in the business world to do it. One of my clients, I do leadership work with companies. And one of my clients is uh, the CEO of a, of a pretty, pretty good company, pretty big company. And right now he's actually on vacation and he told his whole staff, he said, I'm completely unavailable for this chunk of time. He's like, he's like, I don't, I don't do that. Like I never really do that. I always, yeah, in case of, and, and it's, it's amazing how right. the bar for emergency, <laughs> it's like, well, this is kind of like, we're, we, we're, we have to pull the trigger on this hire, this new hire in a high level position. We just want your quick take, you know, and, and the bar for like being interrupted on my vacation goes, you know, it's like, and he said, all right, that would take a lot of courage for me to just say, you know what? No, I'm out. You, I think you guys are capable of, of doing this. We'll talk when I get back. Let me know how things go afterwards, you know? And So guys right there, that's something you can apply in every area of life. So mm -hmm. the thing that you're integral in, the thing that you feel like you have to be in and that you've got control over instead, what if you removed yourself from that situation and allowed the people that you're in charge of or feel you're in charge of. So that could be family. That could be the sports team. That could be the assistant coaches. That could be the church community. That could be your work. That could be whatever. But if you removed yourself from that situation and was like, absolutely not me. Oh yeah. No communication oh, yeah. with me. Like mm -hmm. what happens? The leadership, how does it step up? So I'll give you a recent example. This was just a few days ago. Uh, we were supposed to have a practice game against another softball team. I've got a group of 10-year-old girls playing in a 12-year-old thing. And it, there's a step up from the 10-year-old league to the 12-year-old league. Whole different thing. But but I've got a little bit of anxiety around a couple of things. Well, my assistant coaches don't make it. Their kids do, but the coaches don't. So I'm there on my own for the most part. I've got one other guy helping me. The referees, the umpires don't show up. The other team doesn't show up. And I'm like, oh, boy. We've got something to do. I guess we'll play an inner squad game, but how am I going to divide the players up where it's somewhat fair, where one team doesn't just destroy the other team? And I've got a pitcher that's never pitched from 40. I got all these challenges. I'm trying to figure it out. And in the meantime, I relayed the concept to the girl. Hey, it's no big deal. We'll just play amongst ourselves. We'll have the dads play the outfield. And in my head, I'm like, how am I going to split them up? Well, before I get too far along in my thought process, the girls have already got the teams picked out for the most part. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The two pitchers say, I've got her, I've got her. And they, I'm like, well, they're going to do this on their own and I don't have to be involved. And somehow they're going to, and my fear was that if I let them pick the kids, then somebody feels left out or there's an argument over, you know, but they figured it all out all on their own. And by getting out of the way, they solved it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Here's, here's the concept. Go. 
I didn't even empower them. I just heard what they were doing. I'm like, let me get out of the way. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. You remember the, um, the, the, they made a movie about it called Alive. It's, it was a true story, a crash in the Andes Mountains. And I oh, yeah, think yeah, in yeah. the 70s, you know, yeah. and they. Alive, A-L-I-V. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, right. And I think about maybe 46 people survived the crash, you know, but one of the survivors was an 18 year old kid. He turned 19 while they were in the mountains. You know, I think they were in the mountains for like something like three months or so. And uh, he, he said he, he actually wrote a book called After the Tenth Day. Because he said what happened is they found a way to get one of the radios on the plane to be able to receive, you know, hear the radio, but they couldn't communicate out. So they would hear the radio and they would get all these updates saying search parties are going looking for the flights. And they'd listen to the radio and try to hear the news about especially a search party. And then on I think it was the ninth day, the announcement was we've canceled, we've called off all search parties. And this kid, this 18-year-old rugby player who was on that plane, he said, after the 10th day, we had to make this commitment that, or this decision that no one was going to save us. That if, if we were to survive, it was 100% on the group of people here figuring it out, making decisions, arguing the tough things. You know, are we traveling or not? What are we eating? How are we eating? You know, are we sharing stuff? What are we, what resources? If we leave the plane, what are we bringing? What are we not bringing? Who's carrying it? You know, and he said it was, it was one of the most important moments of his entire life is that after the 10th day, you know, and it's what you said is sometimes it's hard. I have a 16 year old and a 12 year old, you know, and you're thinking like, all right, you're figuring it out. <laughs> Go, good luck. Good luck. You know, cause today, especially we, we have, most of us have the resources to do more rescuing than we probably should. You yes. know, Ab- Abraham Lincoln had a great quote. He said, the worst thing we could do for the people we love are the things they could and should do for themselves. You know, and, and I, that quote bothers me. It bothers me <laughs> because there's all these things I could do for people in my world, you know? And, and sometimes it's like, yeah, but if, if they're one of your kids, it, it's that, am I preparing them or am I protecting them? And, and if I, oh, oh, it's, it's a somewhat embarrassing. My nine-year-old can't tie her shoes. There you go. There you go. So she, the other day she says, mom, will you, you know, answer this question for me on my homework? Mm-hmm. And my wife says, no, you got to do yep. your own homework. I yep. may help you with technique or think through or any of that. And she mm-hmm. complains again. And she's like, mom, like, I just want you to do this for me. Like, I just yep. don't like this. And yep. I was like, sweetie, we're going to do your homework now. And then we're going to tie your shoes for you. Like, just because yep. you don't want to doesn't mean I'm like, in this shoe tying thing, it's about to be over with. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But dad, I like it when you guys, I like it when the adults, like, that makes me feel good when the adult takes <laughs> <laughs> a little manipulator. That one is. She's, yeah. she's good at yeah. playing the system. Yeah, there's a phrase I've gotten good at using with my daughters and now my nieces and nephews a lot. Even I say, I tell them, I say, I love you too much to do this for you. I love you too much to let you keep going with the habit that in 10 years, you're going to be so unhappy that you have, you know, like I love you too much to let you waste four hours watching that. I love you too much. You know, and it's interesting because my kids now they anticipate it. You know, and, and I'm like, that's, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. You know, because they're, they're, and sometimes they'll say, but daddy, when you were my age, 
I'm like, okay, so, so if I was doing things that I wish I didn't do when I was your age, you know, like I had a mentor, Dan, uh, years ago. Um, he was, he was actually a monk. <laughs> he was a monk and he would tell me he was, he was a unique monk. Um, he was well, brilliant. We all are. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 But so this one, he was brilliant and passionate. I mean, he had family members that said, why did you waste your life being a monk? You know, because he was, he was, they're like, you should have been a lawyer, a doctor, a business person. You would have, you would have, you would have all these things, you know? Um, but he was also incredibly human. I mean, he was just, he was a per, he was a per, he had plenty of, he would say things and you're like, you're not allowed to say that as a monk, are you? You know, <laughs> but he, he connected with people partly because of that. And he would always tell me, he's like, Jonathan, whatever you do. And, and he said, I'm me too. He said, we get to be sheepdogs, not shepherds. He said, and that means like the sheepdog is on the fringes. Sometimes they're dirty, filthy, loud, disgusting. Sometimes they're, they're, they're not doing all the perfect stuff, but their job is to keep everyone pointed towards the shepherd. And he said, in other words, don't try to be people's gurus. And he said, this goes for your kids as well. You can point towards what's true and good and, and, and beautiful with your kids, even though you're not there. He said, I mean, his, his take was, you're never going to be quite there, but that doesn't relinquish you of the responsibility to still point, say like, you know, that's, a, that's what I'm trying to live up to. And I'm not there. I'd like to be better at it. I'm not as patient as I'd like to be. I'm not as, you know, yeah, I did say that. You're right. I said that I used that word. Yeah. You know, <laughs> daddy, you listen to this music and you tell me I should, uh, yeah. And it affects, it affects, you know, it seeps in whether, you know, and, ooh, powerful, powerful perspective he used to give me. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, I was talking to a guy the other day and we were talking about how God is this God in heaven are way up here and mm-hmm. on earth we're way down here. And there's a big mm-hmm. difference between us. And as we talked a little bit, like the more we get to know Christ, the closer heaven and earth become. Mm. So the music, the this, the that, the bad habit, the word, the whatever, well, that yeah. becomes fewer and fewer and fewer because you're closer to heaven. You're closer yeah. to Christ. And um, sometimes it's something we've got to actively prune and chop out and go after. And other times we're just kind of moving that direction. And we look back and go, huh, with your question, who am I becoming? Yeah. yeah. What's changed? How am I different now than I was a year ago or five years ago? Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't drop f bombs all over the place anymore. That's weird. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm closing the gap. There's always a gap, though. There's always yeah. going to be, you know, yeah. I, I I call it the no do gap. You know, like we know a lot more about leadership than we do. You know, there's there's a massive gap actually between what we know about being a good dad, being a good friend, being a good spouse, being a good <laughs> being a good person, and what we do. Like there's this massive gap between what we know about saving for retirement. <laughs> <laughs> you know, eating healthy, exercising in a, in a good way. There's a gap. There's always going to be a gap. Um, but it's, it's intriguing. All of us are in this, this leadership role and leadership, leadership is required to close any gap, right? To make any kind of significant progress. And uh, one day, this, this monk that I bumped into, um, he tells me, he says, Jonathan, you love quoting all these people. You read all these books and you study leadership. And he says, Jonathan, who's the most effective leader in history oh yeah you know, I, got this one. I got this one yeah and i'm looking at him like history's tough can we just go the last hundred years or so and he said no let's do history and then my second question was well how would you measure that how would you define that how would you quantify that he said i thought you do this work like you should have the do what's your what would what would your definition be 
And I said it would probably be the depth of positive influence and, and the, the, the amount of people that are positively influenced. But I said it'd probably be like a lasting, significant positive influence too. So it has to be like the, the depth of and the quantity of, of significant positive influence. He said, that sounds good. We'll go with that. Um, who is it? And I said, I'm telling you, 100 years is easier because um, I don't know. I, he said, well, 100 years, who, who do you have? And I said, I don't know. I'd probably put people like Gandhi and Mother Teresa in there. And yeah. he, he said, well, um, what if someone influenced them? Would you kind of have to give the, their influence to that? <laughs> like, okay, maybe, maybe you would. And he said, all right, what do you got? And I said, I said, brother, I know, I know what you're trying to get me to say. You know, and, and I was spiritually, I was not, I was not, I didn't want to say that. You know, I was, I was, I was in this wrestling with, uh, I, the, the way the monk put it is I was, I was wrestling, but I wasn't inviting God to the wrestling match. You know, like <laughs> I had, I had debates, but I, but I didn't, I didn't want the debate with. with <laughs> right. So, so finally he says, why don't you, um, I mean, if, if, if you know who I'm trying to say, I mean, was, was Jesus an incredible influencer of people i said yeah absolutely i mean he i i think by my he'd probably have to be number one by my by my by my definition and he said so you study you know you dig into steve jobs life and you try to figure out all the angles you know not just like one biography but you read all the stuff because you want to know you look at interviews about him and by him because you want to know like you want to know what's real you want to know the people that loved working for him and the ones that didn't and he said so i mean how well do you know the life of Jesus? And I'm, I'm thinking, well, I, you know, I went to church as a kid a lot, you know, but I didn't pay all that much attention always, you know? And um, he said, why don't you dig into one of the gospels, just read one of them, but read it the way you read these books that you're, you're mm -hmm. studying for your leadership mm -hmm. work, you know, and, and like, you know, read, read it, you know, highlight it. I, I thought, brother, I'm not, I'm not allowed to write in the Bible. Right. I, like, <laughs> right. <laughs> I remember when my kids first said that to me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, you can't I, do that. Well, that's what I thought. I mean, somebody had given me a Bible a few years before this, you know, and, and uh, they're like, yeah, put your name in the front. I'm like, I'm not putting my name in the front. Like, no, I Yeah. There's a, yeah. You can put your name in the front. Like, no, no. You know, and he, he convinced me to do it. And I looked through this Bible that somebody had given me and, and I thought, well, the gospel of Mark's only 20 pages. I'll start there. You know, that's the shortest one. Nice. And I dug and he said, that's a good one for you because Mark was probably written in Rome and probably written with some of the Romans as an audience, at least in mind. And, and they were kind of blunt and, you know, didn't want too much. <laughs> that's a good one for you. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. you're a blunt a-hole. <laughs> yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, thanks. Thanks, brother. Thanks, monk. You know, um, you know, and then I, I read that and we discussed it quite a bit. And he said, like, what, what do you notice? What stands out? And uh, I said, well, um, I don't know. One of the things is that he, Jesus made a lot of people really uncomfortable. Uh -huh. you know? and, and, and the monk said, yeah, he, you know, you've probably heard the expression, he comforted the afflicted and afflicted the comfortable. And the monk said, look, if he's not doing both of those to you right now, you're probably listening to somebody else's voice. And I thought, oh, wow. Okay. And I said, he said, he, he, he reaches into parts of your world. Like if he's not making you a little uncomfortable as a dad, you, you've just, you've, you're convinced that there's no gap, mm -hmm. you know, like you're a world-class dad. You know, I, I ask people all the time, zero to 10, zero to 10, just so we, you, you have a way of looking at it. 10 is consistently world-class in any area, you know, at, at, 
when I'm with my kids, really being with them. <sighs> not a 10, not a 10, you know, and, and, it, and it gives you the chance to go, well, what's, what's something that would help take it up a notch? You know, and it, maybe it's as simple as, you know what, from now on, when I do the car rides with the kids, because all of us, I think as parents, we do car rides, right? Oh, yeah. Maybe it's, maybe it's, I'm going to, I'm going to think about a, a good story to share with them. Uh-huh. You know, maybe I'm going to think about a question. Maybe I'm going to tell them about something that I was trying to figure out either, you know, today or last year or, or when I was a kid, you know, maybe I'm going to tell them something about one of, one of my role models, you know, and, and just that thought of how can I make this time? I love to ask the question of like, how can I, there's things I'm going to do. There's things you're going to do. I love to ask the question of what are simple ways I can make them more memorable and meaningful? Oh, I love that. You know, and those two questions, th- those two words, really, whew, they change everything. So you know, every, good, every good parent homeschools their kids. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's an example of it right there of the car ride. Yeah. Yeah. What's the, what's the topic? What are some things I can have in my back pocket that I can pull yeah. out to get a conversation going instead of diving into electronics or listening to whatever's on the radio? Yeah. Yeah. You, you just had uh, Chris Stefanik on, on your show, I think maybe a couple days ago. Um, you know, I've, I've pulled up a talk of his and, and I, I'll cue it up. I mean, shh, don't tell the kids this, right. But I'll cue it up. I'll think like, you know, from a minute and 30 in or from, you know, at the, at the 27 minute mark or whatever, like they, they'll, they'll get this and I'll, I'll get in, I'll have it on, on YouTube, on my phone, sync with the car and I'll get in the car with them and have it playing, you know, and they'll hear this like three minute, whatever, and they'll be hooked. They'll be hooked. And it's partly because I'm sitting there saying like, I'm, I'm going to be driving with them this week anyway, you know? So why not? I mean, I have a little file in my fold in my phone a note file where it's just something that might get my kids thinking, you know, something that might help make the car ride a little more memorable and a little more meaningful, you know, and I've, I've like father Mike Schmitz, you know, I've listened to some of it oh and I'll gosh, be like, yeah. oh, that was good. That's one. And I, I make a note and I'm like, and I'm like at, at minute, you know, 13. And if the kids listen to the whole thing, great. But if they only listen to that one minute, that's it, you know, it, like so often I've had my kids say, huh, I don't know about that. I don't know if I would, you know, like Mike Schmitz is a good example. We were listening to that recently going back from a ski trip. My kids are skiing, you know, and picking them up at the ski mountain on the way home. And I, I had it queued up and, you know, and Mike Schmitz is talking about um, people moving to a new place and do they just assimilate or do they keep what really matters to them and make sure that it has a place in their routine? You know, and the easiest thing is to assimilate short term, but long term, those pieces that are so important, you know, and uh, my, my older daughter heard that. And she said, uh, I, I, and I'm thinking like, I don't know if she listening or is she just like, you know, sitting in the car. And she said, I, I don't, I, I might, I might go with the assimilate, but, but I don't, I shouldn't, you know, and I'm thinking that was, that was, <sighs> amen. <laughs> like, that was, that was a, that was a good, uh, good little moment. So you're talking about taking the shift from like all the business books and all that type thing, applying that to the Bible. So for the guys that thought, "Ah, I don't read books, that that little part of the podcast wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. I'm curious as to your thoughts on whatever book it is that you're into or whatever topic it is that you're into. How do you take that information and get it into you 
and then mm-hmm. get it ready to implement and maybe share with others? Like what, what are some things just off the top of your head that are part of your things that you do or processes that you've literally got in place? Yeah. Yeah. I love that question, Dan. Um, <laughs> you know, this has happened many times in my life. Uh, but once very memorably, I was 18 years old and I, uh, you know, I, I was a freshman in college and I, I had a 4.0 my first semester, mechanical engineering. One of my professors, I said, could you write me a letter of a recommendation? You know, and I had an A in his class. I think I had the highest grade in his class across the board. But, but on a few of the projects, I did, I did the least I needed to do to get an A, you know, yeah. and he, he knew that, you know, and he writes me a letter of recommendation and it's intriguing. He, he didn't hand it to me and he didn't tell me this in person. He just wrote it on his, he was a consultant for fortune 500 companies, you know, and when I was 18, I thought I knew everything, you know, and, and <laughs> I, he, he, he's, I'm like, I'm going to be a consultant. So I want your, your recommendations so I could do consulting now. Like I don't want to wait until I'm done with college. <laughs> I might as well be consulting now. Cause I know stuff and they don't know it, you know? And, and, uh, right. Right. Yeah. Come on, yeah. 18 year old. Let's, you yeah. leave me. <laughs> yeah. So, so he writes me this on his consulting letterhead, which I'm thinking that's perfect because he had a bunch of Fortune 500 clients. I'm thinking this is awesome. But he puts it in my file over there in whatever, career resources or something. I go get it. And it says, Jonathan Fanning has a lot of talent and does just enough to get by. <laughs> and I'm thinking like, I'm going to I'm going to go to this guy's office and like, you know, or maybe do I white it all out and just write my own letter? Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> this is this is like, he, he, doesn't he get it? Like, does he not understand? You know, and I, I every now and then somebody pops into our world and they tell us what we need and it's not necessarily what we want. <laughs> you know, there's a big gap between those two. And we don't always thank them in the moment. Right. And, and I, I love to ask people the question, myself included, who knows, who knows you better? Who knows me better? That professor or, or God? You know, and one of the things to answer your question, one of the things I do when I'm just going through a day, sometimes I'll pause and I'll pray. I'm like, God, help me to notice what you want me to notice, even if it's not exactly what I want to be noticing right now. Help me to think about what you want me to think about, even if it's not what, you know, help me to hear, help me to find some, some, some like game changers, if you will, you know, help, help me to find something that the kids will resonate with. Or when I'm speaking before a big audience, you know, I was just in a, I, I do a lot of keynotes at big conferences and I, I before the conference, I, I'm always praying. I'm like, God, I help me to talk about what, um, you know, what, what, what you have in mind for them, not necessarily what I have in mind, <laughs> you know, and it's a, it's a challenging prayer. You know, I think it's a, you know, as a dad, there are certain questions I'm always hoping my kids will ask. Like, I'm always hoping my kids will say, Father, would you like us to do more things around the house on a regular basis? You know, like, I'm always waiting for that. Like, come on. <laughs> yes, there's, there's a few things. Here they are. You know, and I think God, like, is better father than I am, is like, I'm waiting for you to ask that question. You know, I think God is waiting for us to ask that question. And, you know, I'll, I'll try to let God point me to things that I, I need to notice this time. And then just, I don't need, I don't need the whole book. You know, I, I have said it many times. I don't need the 500 page book, but I need the one thing in there. That's like, bam, bam. You know, like I, I reread certain books on a regular basis and I don't reread the whole book. I just, sometimes I just reread a handful of the highlights in there. You know, and it's the same thing. If you don't read a lot, it's the same thing with having five quotes that really get you thinking but have them somewhere where you can scroll through them or have them on your wall where you go like, like that mm-hmm. one. Huh. 
and one of those books is uh, Victor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning. Yeah. And he tells, at, uh, I think it's towards the end of the book, I was just rereading this in January. He says, you know, when, when, they, when they have an arch, an old arch, like you picture you're in Ireland, you know, and you see this old stone arch. He said, when there's an old decrepit arch and it, it needs repair, he said, the first thing they do is they put more weight on it because that forces the arch to come together and, and be, you know, fill the missing gaps. And he said, that's, that's where most of us are. Like most of us need a little more weight on ourselves. And like for the last two months, I've been thinking a ton about just that one thought, you know, just that one thought of like uh, this arch that needs a little, needs a little more pressure, positive pressure, you know, very, very positive pressure. You know, and a piece of that is, you know, Dan, is, is you and me talking, right? Because you challenge me here and I challenge you there maybe, right? Yeah, and yeah. And to all the, all the dads out there, all the guys out there listening, it's you have some friends who you're comfortable with and then you probably have some people in your life that they make you, I call it positively uncomfortable. And most of us don't go find those people enough or we don't go and give them permission to make us positively uncomfortable. You know, that, that monk I had in my life, he passed yeah. away um, uh, three and a half years ago. And when he passed away, I was devastated because he was one of the few people in my life that was like, he never let you get away with stuff. You know, like he would, he would ask you a question about something and you'd go, uh, yeah, uh, you know, like something about your marriage, something about your, you know, how you doing? You know, Jonathan, you got a bunch of nieces and nephews and I bet they need, uh, I bet they need, I don't know, I bet they need some, something from you. Like, what, what is it that they need from you that they're not getting in their environment right now? I would just look at them like, oh, well, uh, yeah, I have an answer to that question. I do have an answer to that question. But it's like, well, are you stepping in or are you kind of, you know, and, you know, next time I would see him, if it was a couple months later, he'd bring it back up. You know, how yeah. are you doing? That? And, and it might be like, like that person doesn't let you influence them at all yet, which means you got to like you got to start texting them now and then saying, Hey, how's school going today? And they're like, you know, first they're thinking like, why, why is my uncle texting me? You know? And he's like, you might have to start with like building some level of relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Right? But he was one of those people. He was one of the, you want a game changer in your life? I mean, all of us need him. Go find one more person that makes you positively uncomfortable. Whew. Go find one, go find one. You know, most of when the monk passed away, I was devastated. And then finally it hit me that I have people like that around me that are, that could be more like, and I don't, I don't, I don't go out of my way to, you know, like I have to build the relationship with them. Yes. You know, maybe I don't know them that well because I just, and I need that. Maybe I need to go and get them coffee, you know, and ask them stuff. Yes, 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 yes. Cool. So I talk about that all the time with people, you know, in my sphere and then also on the podcast of the person that's a few steps ahead of you or a hundred steps ahead of you. Sometimes it's as simple as getting them coffee. Sometimes it's simple as passing them a compliment. Sometimes it's as simple as saying, Hey, on page 72 of your book, that sentence meant a lot. Sometimes it's as simple as giving them a smile and you know, it doesn't have to be a thousand bucks. It doesn't have to be something monumental. You don't have to get your doctorate degree to become worthy to talk to that person and include them in your life. If you just become, you know, valuable, if you just become a person that they want to have around, mm-hmm. you'll be able to build these relationships and it really doesn't take all that much. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, and we need those people. And and you know, yes. I think in life there's there's kind of a rubber band around us that like if we're pulling people up, they're they're exerting a pressure on us, pulling us that way, right? And we need some people that are pulling us up too. Otherwise, it's you know, it's it's a it's a hard journey. You're like I'm trying to get all of you to where you know to where I am to where I am. Yeah, another thing when that monk passed away that that really hit me was this. It was everybody needs more people like that in their world. And, and it was like, Jonathan, look in the mirror. You need to step up and do a better job of being that for some people. Mm. In your, you know, and I thought, well, whoo, one thing he did was he, 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 you could tell he cared about you. You could tell, you could feel it, but he cared about you in the future as well. And he was never willing to like, just be comfortable in the moment. He, he would go, look, like do something about this. He was willing to have those tough conversations. He was willing to, you know, and I started thinking like, what's a tough conversation I need to have with me? What's a tough conversation that the monk would be having with me right now? And then, you know, it goes back to that brave and daring conversation we were talking about earlier. Who can I ask this question to, or who can I tell this story to, or who can I do something with this about? You know, I, um, I've been involved in, in teen work for a long time. I do teen entrepreneur camps and leadership and I teach confirmation classes and I do retreats with teens. And um, I was doing a confirmation class and I kept thinking like, how do I make this more memorable and meaningful, memorable and meaningful. And I thought, well, you know what? One thing that would be easy to do, I think, and could really have a big impact oh, is let's, let's invite each kid to teach a little piece of the class Yes. So I thought, like every time we have a class, I'll give, I'll give, like, let's say the topic is, I don't know, humility, or the topic is forgiveness, or the topic is, is courage, or the topic is, um, you know, love, or the topic is whatever, you get 10 minutes. And sometimes I'd give them a handful of resources to dig into, like I'd share a video or two, like, yeah, look up this, you know, this video, whatever. Um, and, and I started doing that. And then I thought, well, let's step it up and let's, parents and kids, drives me crazy. The way we do most of education, it's almost like my kids are dropped off at school and they'll, when they're done, we'll go to the graduation ceremony and then we'll, and then we'll apply for colleges and we'll send some money there and then we'll see them when they graduate. And it's, it should be this amazing dance or partnership where the parents are like, wow, you're, you're digging into that topic. You know, you're like one of my favorite things in history was this, or, you know, I, I was never into you know, reading the books until I read this book, which maybe you're not reading in school, but maybe, maybe you and I read it together. Oh, you know? that's such a good one there. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I'm thinking all this stuff in this confirmation class. And I thought, you know what I'll do? I'll invite each kid when they're doing their little 10 minute, I'll in, they, they have to bring an adult from their world to help with that 10 minutes. Ooh. And, you know, some of the parents kind of didn't like me for it, you know, but most of them loved it. And, you know, one time it was, uh, it was, I think it was just beginning of December. It was right after Thanksgiving. And I have this kid and his dad come and we were talking about generosity, but like generosity lived, you know, and um, they had 10 minutes, you know, and they talked about a couple things they do. And then the dad says, um, should I, should I tell him about the Thanksgiving sandwiches? He says this to his kid and his kid's like, I, I don't, I don't know, you know, and, and the dad says, well, may, do you want to tell him about it? And the kid, he, you could tell he's a little resistive, you know, and, and finally they start kind of co-telling the story. And, you know, they said basically thanks every Thanksgiving, 
Thanksgiving Day, lots of family. And then somewhere around six or seven at night, they start making sandwiches, you know, turkey sandwiches or whatever. And they said they usually make about 200 sandwiches. And I'm thinking like, okay, that's nice. You make leftovers. I get it. And they, and they said, and then we load them all into, I think, a couple of coolers. And we put it in the trunk of the car and we go down to a part of New York City. This is a little bit outside New York City. And they said, and then we usually there's one spot we stop and we open up and we hand out 200 sandwiches. Mm. And, you know, the, the father and the son are telling this story and the kids in this in this class are, are looking like, who who do you give them to? You know, and they, they said, well, you know, we give them to people that didn't have the meal we just had. We give them to people who some of them have a place to stay tonight and some of them don't. And it's Thanksgiving and it might be 17 degrees. It might be 40 degrees. It might be freezing rain. It might be sleet. You know, it might be like we're, we're giving out the sandwiches under the, the hood of the car. So they stay dry. And, and, and they said, and they're gone. The sandwiches are gone in a couple minutes. It takes us a, a while to make the 200 sandwiches and then they're just gone, you know? And, and then we, we stick around and talk for a few minutes with some of the people. And then we go back home and, you know, and we've got, we've got more leftovers than, than the people we just made sandwiches for have to eat for the, for the next week. We have more leftovers than that amount. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting there thinking like, and this was a question that the monk would have asked me. And I started asking people, I started like telling people this story. And I started asking this question. I said, I, it forced me to think like, how generous are you really? You know, how generous are you really? <laughs> and it forced me to think like, I don't, I don't make 200 sandwiches on Thanksgiving night. And I certainly could. You know, and, and I mean, it doesn't have to be that, but there's a piece of my world and your world where, you know, my zero to 10 question, I love asking people, like, I'm not a 10 at generosity in that part of my life, you know, and, and you know, maybe that's not around food. Maybe it's, you know, like I said, I, I do the, this, these leadership programs with, with teenagers. Part of the reason I do it is to challenge me, to challenge me to think like, what's a better way? Like you, I can complain about the way kids are today. <laughs> you know, I could complain about, you know, like, come on, what's going on? Or I could try to be a positive impact on a few more. So How all kinds of stuff you said there. So the confirmation classes, obviously faith-based type stuff. So kid, we yep. teach it. Oh, geez, there's challenging. So immersing ourselves in a topic, we can study it. We can practice it. We can teach it. And teaching is where I find where I learn the absolute most. So mm-hmm. in the doing, I learn a lot. In the studying, I learn a lot. But in the teaching side, I learn the most. So the kid getting to be able to grab all the material, study, think through stuff, practice it in their head, and then give the speech, they've learned the absolute most. So that is phenomenal. And I love doing that with my softball girls is having them get out front and lead lead the little whatever it is exercise. Yeah. So immersing yourself in a topic. So whether it's videos, audios, podcasts, guys that don't read books, you know, whatever, get yourself an audible copy of it and do it that way. Eventually you'll start reading books too, uh, in the paper form, you know, highlight this stuff, but just uh, listening to speeches on YouTube, you know, here's the book, but here's the guy talking about the book and you know all that stuff. And, and you can dive into it. So the generosity one, I was with a group of guys, all super talented guys, all guys that are just all in on family, all in on business or kind of those nines and tens out of life kind of people. And I was leading this group and the generosity question came up mm-hmm. and most of us were like, oh yeah, give money. Like mm-hmm. we're pretty good at that. It's still a hard thing to do that. And then as it trickled down to 
how are we helping our kids be uncomfortable because we live in a comfortable place? How do we get our kids to see the people that are uncomfortable in their daily living and how can we benefit them? So the Turkey sandwich thing just brought that to my mind. Like, and the kid doesn't even want to share. He's not trying to brag about what the awesome thing that they did was. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. We didn't do this for that reason. We just did this to help others. Yeah. We're not here to boast and and lift ourselves up. So that that's awesome. He was, he was I would say he was almost embarrassed about it. Like he's like, yeah. but 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 the father pulled me aside afterwards. He said all the all the cousins, nieces, nephews, they all they all like making the sandwiches. Hmm. You know, because it, it took a little while. I think they've been doing it for maybe a decade or so now. He said it took a little while before like, well, what what are we doing with them? You know, and then, you know, they they're like, Yeah, let's do the sandwiches. Yeah. So yeah, we've I, had so many good questions inside of this podcast. Hopefully you've wrote a ton down. There's yeah. another one I'll throw out, out there is how are, how are you and your family living generosity or living generously? Mm-hmm. And think about the different areas you could do that. The finance yeah. one can be the easy one. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it's uh, it's the time and talent Yeah. or flip side. You're like, I'm pretty good at some stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'm also tight-fisted when it comes to my money. Maybe it's maybe it's the money side you need to let go of a little bit. But for sure, yeah, that's you know that um, professor with the letter of Jonathan has a lot of talent, but does just enough. Like saying a little prayer, God, like where where am where am I uh, in generosity? Where where am, where do I need a little bump? <laughs> that is a prayer that will mess with you in a big way. I think you know because you start noticing things. You start you, you coach a sport, right? It seems every sport around the country needs more help, you know, and if, if, can you imagine if, I don't know, just one or two dads from your, your is softball, right? Softball. Yeah. Imagine if one or two of the dads from your softball team said like, I, I can't do all the coaching, but I, 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 I took some time and I looked up two or three drills that I thought are phenomenal. And, I, and here's a link to them. You know, and whatever, whatever you want to use them, you don't want to use them. I don't care. I mean, I coach uh, soccer quite a bit with my daughters and I'm, I, I spend, it's crazy the amount of time you spend trying to map out a good practice, right? <laughs> so, so guys, guys, listen, listen for real. So he's not a soccer coach by trade. I'm not a softball coach by trade. So what do we do? We look mm-hmm. up videos, mm-hmm. we find other coaches, we mm-hmm. ask other coaches real life coaches that we know that have coached, or we find the athletes that have done something for a long time. We're like, come on, help me out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh dude, you're doing softball too. What'd you learn? <laughs> and we're swapping yeah. tips back and forth. Our Instagram or our Facebook is just filled with, in your case, soccer in my case. Yeah. Softball. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 I sent and my, it, and it, sent like, my whole team little, uh, little three minute videos on how to hit a softball. And yeah. one of the parents told me, he goes, when you first send that out, I thought, what a psycho. Like, <laughs> <laughs> who is this guy that's thinking that we're going to work with our kids outside of practice? I, right, right. Are you kidding me? Yeah, we we built a whole YouTube channel. Talk about parenting, right? Like, I have my my daughters help build the, you know, I'm like, I'm like, which video do you think? And then I'm like, let's edit it down to be a minute because no one's watching if it's too long. You know, and, and, and they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's, okay. They're like, all right, you own it now. You know, and it's funny. They're like, but you're the coach. I'm like, okay, okay. 
I had, I played uh, college baseball and basketball and uh, my freshman year playing basketball, it was junior college. I mean, a lot of the players yeah. on the team could have been D1, but they yeah. didn't have the grades to go D1. Right. They didn't have the SAT scores, you know, a whole bunch of things. And um, we were actually in basketball. We were ranked number three in the country for junior colleges. We were pretty good. But one day the coach pulls me aside in practice and I'll never forget this. He says, he says, Fanny, when are you going to step up and lead the team? Ooh. And I'm looking at the coach and I'm thinking like two things immediately. I'm thinking that's your job. And number two, I'm already, I'm already leading by example. Like I'm already like I, my work ethic, my, you know, I'm in the weight room. Like when he would be like Thanksgiving break, you're coming back in better shape than when you left. I took him seriously, you know, and, and he, he ran us when we came. I mean, it's such a short break for an athlete. You don't really get the break. Everybody else gets, you get like a day and a half usually, but he ran us. And a lot of, a lot of the, you know, my teammates were like, coach, what are you doing? You know? And I was like, Hey, he said it, I'm ready. You know? And I'm, so my thought was, that's your job. And number two, I'm already doing it by example. And, and what he was saying, it took me a while to realize this, but what he was saying is, it, it's not just my job. You know, look at the, like the Michael Jordans of the world. They didn't say like, I wish yeah. the coach would, you know, like yep. they pulled their teammates aside and said like, you got to guard that guy. You know, and number two, within that same little story really is it's more than just example. You know, sometimes leadership is actually words. Sometimes it's actually pulling people aside and saying like, you know, how generous are you really? You know, or you got more to give here, you know, yes. or it's. So, it's, so what your coach like, shared with you, the uh, Deion Sanders just did that with Colorado. Mm -hmm, hey, we're mm -hmm. having a break. Yeah, and we're right back at it when you guys get back. And here's yeah. the thing. We're cleaning out lockers, too. Yeah. Yeah. So if you show yeah. up and didn't do the things, yeah. we'll clean out lockers. And yeah. goes, this yeah. isn't a threat. Right. This is just the way it is. Yeah. I'm not threatening you. I'm just telling yeah. you these are the rules. Yeah. Yeah. I had, Dan, I, 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 I'm blessed that I get to do some leadership work in some amazing places. And, and uh, one of them is uh, Mary Knoll. I don't know if you ever heard of Mary Knoll, but oh, yeah. they, yeah. some people call them the Marines of the church where they, they train missionaries to go and maybe get killed. You know, okay. they have a hall of, they have a hall of martyrs in the main entrance to the building. It's a long, long hall and it's nothing but plaques and pictures of, of people who went through Mary Knoll and then went and they were killed for, for sharing their faith for, for being missionaries, mm. you know, and it's, it's, it's like, it's humbling. Um, but I've had the chance to do some leadership work with them. And one of the people that works there, uh, his name is Jerry Allen. He's actually in the Guinness book of world's records. Cause he, uh, he played for Vince Lombardi. And Don, and Don Shula. Oh my goodness. Back, back to back. Right. And, and he returned, uh, I think he had a, he had a handoff run of 99 yards, which is the longest you can, you know, 99. Yeah. Yeah, you can't, yeah. yeah. You can't get longer. Um, and I, I, every time I'm there, if I, if, if it's possible, I spend time with Jerry and I ask, I pick his brain, you know, I'm like, I'm like, how did, how did, uh, you know, how did Lombardi motivate you guys? Cause you were pretty good. You know, like, how did he stop were, were there any ego battles, you know, because I get that in the corporate world, but obviously on a great sports team, you don't have that, <laughs> you know, and it, it, one of his things was this, he said, he said, Lombardi expected more from us than we ever expected from ourselves and he said i show up day day one lombardi's practice and he's like he's got us working on handoffs and i'm thinking like okay okay but not for long i hope because we got to get into the and he's like lombardi had us do handoff stuff like ad infinitum like to, to death and he said what like i'm thinking i played football my whole life i i get it i understand how to he's like no 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 this year we're not dropping a ball 
we are not we are not letting a ball fall on a handle you know and he's like okay okay but uh, so one thing jerry told me and this has to do with you know a lot of what we're talking about today he said i i love meeting a new person buying them a cup of coffee and i ask him just one question i ask him i say tell me about tell me about somebody who who they helped you become who you are and he said and i usually then i shut up for 45 minutes yeah he said and and they t- they give me so much insight into who they are who they were who they want to be that just got on my list of great questions i love it yeah, yeah. i'm thinking like he said i just i asked that question and i just i might ask follow up questions like like when did you meet the person you know but he's like i just i stay on that and he said and i get this like why did you let that person have influence in your life? What do you really value? What are your challenges? What are you struggling with? Like, what do you, oh, and I thought mm. that's beautiful. That's beautiful. You know, it's, it's that, oh. So you've it's got that, some books yeah. out there. You've got, who are you becoming? Mm-hmm. Sounds like an awesome book. I love that question. And it's, if you don't know where you're going and you know, who are you becoming? And you mm-hmm. got to pay attention to that stuff, guys. And then yep. your other book, I once was lost. Yeah. Yeah. And then the cool story behind your new book that isn't out yet. And I said, Hey, when's your new book coming out? And you're like, the cover wasn't the right cover. And so <laughs> my kids are actually designing the cover. So once my kids get finished with it, that's when the book comes out. Yeah. 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 There's, there's a, a lot. And, of didn't, and didn't they say, do I get my name on the book, dad? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's how yeah. that works. <laughs> Yeah, there's so in the research for that book, it's called Creativity Unleashed. And I do a lot of work in, in place, companies and schools and you name it on, on that topic. And my TED Talks actually on that topic. Um, but one of the things we found is the most creative people in history, they tend to pursue really good questions. You know, and one of the questions from the research of, for that book I started chasing was, what are some really simple things that we could do with the kids that have the potential to change the way they see the world and their role in it. You know, and, and, and my wife and I will, will talk about this question on a regular basis. Like, what are some simple things we could do this weekend? You know, like, hey, Easter's coming up. We're going to be doing this with family over Easter, but what are some simple things we could try to fit into the calendar over Easter or over summer vacation that have the potential to kind of like change the way they see the world and their role in it? You know, and um, I mean, I'll give you a, a real example from recently. I, I speak all over the world and I give my kids this challenge of, um, and they, they, now they like it. Uh, in the beginning, they weren't sure. But the part of the challenge is if you help market for an, a second speaking engagement near where I'm already going, then the funds probably cover you coming with me. Yep. You know, so recently I'm doing a keynote in Charleston, South Carolina, and, you know, they, they did some work and they were able to come with me. By the way, you know, we get tons of listeners in Char- Charleston, South Carolina. Tons yeah. of listeners there. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Headquarters yeah. of F three is out that direction, and so love it. Yeah, love yeah. it. I love that area. I love that area. So the kids come with me. We're on uh, Isle of Palms. Is the one of the conferences, one of the keynotes. You know, we're staying there, and then while we're there, we keep playing with this question: or what are some simple things we could fit into this trip that have the potential to kind of like change the way they see the world and their role in it? And one of them was like, let's stop at this little fort that you know, that defended the, the, uh, the colonies against the British in 17, I think 80, I think it was, it might've been 76, actually. The, uh, I think eight British ships came and we're like in that fort and checking it out. And we're looking at the cannons and we're like, wow, this is kind of cool. And then you're like, oh, Fort Sumter's out there. And then you're like, oh, wait a second, let's read about that. And 
Yeah, we didn't spend the whole day doing that, but it was a little pocket of it. Yeah. You know, one of my pet peeves is that kids would be totally interested in lots of things, including history, if they get to touch it. You know, if they don't get to, if it's just in a book, it's not that real, you know, but you spend, we did a trip, we were traveling from, I think, Washington, D.C., another keynote down there and coming back driving. And they did the trip with me on that one. And on the way back, we stopped at Gettysburg. You know, we didn't spend the day at Gettysburg, but we went up to the, you know, little round top and went to the extreme left flank. And we, we were like, you know, reading about Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain defending this. And they're like, they're out of bullets. And I'm like this, they were running down this hill and they were running up this hill. And like, you know, this is kind of crazy. Like, seriously, can you imagine having a gun and trying to reload it and shoot somebody? And like, where would you hide behind the tree? And they were, I mean, the difference in their interest in, in learning about that piece of history after that was night and day. Oh yeah. You know Um, anyway, so the book, that question, what are simple things we could do that have the potential to change the way the kids see the world and their role in it? Um, we're, we're finishing the book and I've got a couple people that are pitching me on cover design and I've got a person I usually work with on cover design. And then I thought, you know what? I mean, in line with the book and, and you know, pursuing great questions, I wonder like, if my kids designed the cover, I wonder if they you know, think that would be like one of those moments where they go, I mean, one, wow, you can make money designing a cover of a book. You don't have to be the author of the book. You can be, you know, yeah. the cover designer, or you can be some other piece of it. That's kind of neat. And you could do that when you're 16 or 12, you know, like that opens up your perspective on the world. So my kids are now working on the cover and my oldest starts, like she sketches something. I'm like, that's really, I like the potential of that, you know? And, and she says, um, she said, look really closely. And I'm looking really closely and it has the cu- front cover. And then over here, it has the back cover. And on the back cover, it has her name. <laughs> And I said, like, oh, yeah, what's what's that? She says, if I do the back cover, I was looking at other books. And like a lot of times you get to put your name on the back cover, like the design, cover design by. And she's like, do I get to do that? And I thought, you know what? If 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 your design gets approved, then, yeah, you can have your name on the back cover. You know, and then my, my 12 year old all of a sudden is like, how do I how do I do that? How do I get there, too? I'm like, well, huh you'd have to be involved in the cover design and she's better with um, dimensions. And so she, she's doing the, the, what the write-up will look like, including collecting the testimonials, you know, from other business people, authors, whatever. And, 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 and the dimensions of, okay, the cover with this many pages with this publisher is going to be this thick. And so the binder, all the, all the little dimension pieces, you know, and, and it's, oh, it's mind boggling. It's great. It's great, but they're slightly behind schedule. <laughs> Dang child labor. Uh, but it's so worth it. It's so worth it. It's so amazing. Yeah. That's that, awesome right? to be able to get them involved. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. question for you, anything, uh, anything that you want to cover? Uh, the two things I wanted to cover, we really didn't even talk about. So I want to talk about uh, uh, kids entrepreneur stuff okay. and also emotional intelligence. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. so we'll store those two topics for a different time. <laughs> anything you want to talk about uh, before we close this one out. And then oh, I always boy. end in a challenge and uh, I've got one, if you don't have one, but I was going to have you throw a challenge out to the guys that they can execute from this week to the next episode that comes out. So it might be simple or might be a little challenging, but something that they can do within a week's time. Yeah. I love that. Um, yeah. I know those two topics are good topics. Sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, good time, though. Good talking with you. And you had me thinking about baseball, by the way. Um, yeah, so a, a challenge, a challenge for, for your listeners. Uh, I love, actually, we do a series uh, called Who Are You Becoming Challenges? And we do them all the time. Sometimes they're very condensed. Sometimes they're like a seven-day challenge. You know, sometimes they're, they're longer. Sometimes they're just one day. Um, yeah, I'll give, you, I'll, give you, I'll give you two options. How's that? Is that all right? all right? Yeah, yeah, we'll do two. Yeah, we'll do two. So the first one is this, um, and it has a lot to do with the, the idea of who are you becoming. Uh, all of us have people in our world who you wouldn't be the person you are, you know, were it not for their influence. And um, I find that most of us don't, we don't do an amazing job of letting those people know. You know, like, for example, that professor, you know, he, 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 he gave me a message, <laughs> you know, and, and I didn't go thank him right away. You know, I'd love to say uh, I thought about it. And then a week later, I thought, you know what, thank you. That was something I really needed. I didn't, I didn't do that. You know, and um, so challenge number one is that find, and maybe you do it, maybe you do it once a day. I mean, if you do it once a day for a week, that would change the world, I think. Um, but, you know, spend a minute thinking like, who's somebody that, I wouldn't be who I am if it weren't for their influence, you know, because all of us have a sports coach. You know, Jerry Allen told me that he said the, the, the two answers I get the most often on who, people who helped you become who you are is a sports coach or a family member. Mm-hmm. And his, his, his take on that is one of the reasons I, I invest a lot of time in sports coaching and I take it seriously. You know, I mean, we have a blast, but I, t- I also take it seriously because I'm asking like if these kids if, the, if something impacts them from this one little soccer season, you know, five or 10 or 20 years from now, they're thinking back like, you know, I'm glad I had that coach because, because you know, I, I think about that, you know, like, um, so go thank one of those people. Go thank one of those people. Maybe you do more than one. Maybe you write down four or five names. Maybe you, maybe you do it. I mean, I challenge audiences all over the world to once a week you know, once a week, sit down, maybe it's every Friday night before you go home from work, or maybe it's every Sunday, you know, maybe you're in church and you think like, God, like, help me pick a person that they really impacted my life, you know, and, and maybe they impact your life. Just maybe they live three houses away from you. And just because they're always like, Hey, how's it going? They're always like smiling. And maybe, maybe it's not like this profound, they got you to change your career, you know, but they, they're a positive impact on your life and find some personal genuine, authentic way to let them know, you know, it, it could be, it could be stopping by. It could be sending them a text. It could be like finding a picture from something, you know, like, Hey, thanks for Remember we did that trip and you really like, like I had a friend who conned me into helping him coach baseball in Italy for a couple months. <laughs> you know, what a, what a con job, you know, he, <laughs> but like, I mean, honestly, like I couldn't take the time off. And he kept saying, like, you know, 10 years, you're going to look back and think, like, wow, I, I missed that, you know. And finally, he conned me into doing it, you know. And, and as I'm thinking about this, let people know just a picture from that trip, you know, and say, hey, you know, th- not just was it amazing, but, like, you conned me into it. Yeah. And thank you. Thank you for that, you know. So that's one. And the second one would be um, apologize. Apologize to someone. You know, all of us have at least one person in our world that we owe them an apology, you know, apologize to someone. It changes the world. Hey, sorry. You know, the way, the way I said that it doesn't mean you're, you know, Hey, you're not resetting everything in the world, but apologize for not being there for, you know, for, 
something I did or didn't do, or, you know, I, I don't think like, I, I want to be a better friend and I don't know that I'm always there. And I apologize for that. You know? So guys that aren't driving, write that on your hand, write down the person's name that came up and put that on your hand, wash your hand after you've apologized. Ooh, I like that. I like that. And for guys that are driving, uh, once this podcast finishes up, back this podcast up to this, to this spot. And that, that'll be your reminder so that you have a reminder to apologize to somebody. Cause I think that one is huge. It could be somebody from way back, or it could be somebody that you wronged today. It mm. could be somebody that you wronged 30 minutes ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, I love both of those challenges. Those are phenomenal. And uh, what if the guys want to reach out to you, check out your books or who are some people you want to connect with? Like, you know, how do we get more Jonathan Fanning in our life? Just, I mean, Google me. My, my website's my name, jonathanfanning.com. Um, go on there. We have a lot of videos. Take, you know, sign up for a Who Are You Becoming challenge in there. You know, if you do that, then we'll let you know when we have, we do creativity challenges. We do challenges around emotional intelligence. Um, we did a, we did a couple building courage boot camps that were phenomenal. People love them. Uh, so we'll probably be doing another one of those soon. So, you know, just find me on, on online and, and I mean, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on social media too, a little bit. I don't spend a lot of time on there, but you can certainly connect with me. And um, I love connecting with people who are, who are like me, who know there's a gap and um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. are happy so, to be on the journey. And, and uh, you know, sometimes saying I need to make more progress and sometimes saying, wow, look, look what I did this week. But, you know, we always have these, <laughs> whoops. All yeah. right. Start over, start over. I thought I was a good dad, you know? A good friend of mine jokes. He's like, I was going to write a parenting book when my kids were like two and three because I was killing it. Like, (laughs) (laughs) and then then all of a sudden, you know, like I go through these moments where I'm thinking, like, what, what, what is going on? (laughs) Yep, absolutely, absolutely. I love my, I love my kids to have more courage and talk in how they communicate with the rest of the world and not necessarily with dad. You know, it's like, all right, all right. (laughs) So funny, so funny. Always on the journey. Yep. Well, we will have your website linked on the show notes and then we've got our facebook community linked in the show notes also so guys thank you so much for listening to this one i think this one's a great one to share with other dads in your life that matter so that they can then impact their families also so thank you jonathan for truly getting out of the way and saying the stories and asking the questions that'll help men grow and become better leaders in their families so that their families are impacted so that they can see the potential they have and step into that potential. You bet. You bet. Thank you, Dan. Really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So much fun. And hopefully I can convince you or Kanye to come back sometime. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. In between now and then I'll see you in St. Louis, maybe somewhere. At yeah, a baseball absolutely. Game, yeah. We'll go to a game together for sure. Love for it. sure. Love it. Love it. All right. Thanks guys. Catch you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. Thank you guys for being a light. Shine that light out and let others see it. With you guys, part of this community, it helps me be accountable to you guys. It helps me be accountable to myself. 
be accountable to God and Jesus. I hope you appreciated this episode and picked up some great things. hope you like the challenge and hope you can execute on that challenge this week. I ask of you, please subscribe, share the show with others, join us inside of the Journey of a Christian Dad on Facebook, inside our private community. Share that community with others, have your buddies join, have other dads that are looking to grow in their faith grow as spiritual leaders of their family. As we engage in our journey and be intentional with it, we can help others grow theirs as well. We thank you again for listening. We thank you for all your reviews. Look forward to reading a review of yours on a future show. So, dear God, thanks for blessing all of us and thanks for drawing us closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have fun, guys.